keep on praying for that spouse, that husband. And, you, and we always say that husband, but sometimes you know what? It's the wife. But listen, guys, and I, I want you to know this and from the bottom of my heart. 93% chance. If, if the weather says it's going to be a 93% chance of rain, it's probably going to, going to rain. Listen, guys. 93% of the men who accept Christ as their personal Savior see their whole family follow them in, a, in faith in Christ Jesus. 93%. Gentlemen, if you're here today and you've yet to believe upon Jesus Christ, say yes to Jesus. And there's a large, large blessing coming along for you and that your kids and family will follow right along. And that's something for us to remember. But if you're that lady and you have yet to do it, you know what? Today's the day of salvation. Believe, believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Um, if you would, turn with me to James chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 1 through 12 today. The good Lord must be on to First Baptist Church uh, here today because in the last week, um, Wednesday night, I asked the church, Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock and Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, I asked the church to turn to Proverbs chapter um, 15. And the Proverbs chapter 15 is talking about wisdom and how we speak and when we speak. And now we go in James chapter 3 and we're going to see the wisdom in how the tongue is tamed by the Holy Spirit. So in the last four days, we've had three, four sermons on how the, the tongue is dangerous and it needs to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. So First Baptist Church, you must have a mouth problem. You know what I mean? We must be, must be running the mouth a little bit too hard and the good Lord's trying to teach us something. But I know that to be true because I live with you all. Amen. No, um, every single one of us have a problem with communication. Um, if I do a, a wedding uh, marriage uh, counseling session or, or sit down with a newlywed couple or, or anything of that nature, the very first thing I tell them, they think I'm prophetic. I look at them, I said, what, one of the, problem, the major problems you have in your life is you have a problem with communication. And they look at me and they're like, well, how do you know? How do you know that? You know how I know that? Because everybody does. Some of you don't talk enough and some of you talk way too much. You know, it's, it's either or of that nature. So we're always having a communication problem. We always got a problem in, in speech and we need help in that. And the good Lord knows that. We want today to get to a place in our Christian life where we're able to control our tongue, that we're able to control our speech. We all have problems. We all suffer with, with struggles in the tongue. But the Lord wants to teach us how to bridle, how to control, how to tame our tongue. But what I want to share with you this morning at the very beginning is this. This sermon that I'm going to preach is not optional. Let me say that again. It's not optional. This is, this is not a, um, a, an elective. Um, this is not something that's going to be cool if you accept to do it, and it's cool if you don't accept to do it. What this is, is a commandment from the Lord. As a born-again believer today that has been blood-bought by, by Jesus Christ, you and I are commanded to have him in control of our speech to have the Lord Jesus in control of our tongue in that what we say and that what we do not say. It is not optional. You cannot say, you know what, I think I, today I'm going to let the Lord control what I say. No, every single day 
we allow the Lord to be in control of that what we say. And it is how we should live, and that's a commandment from the Lord, how he tames our tongue. There's a lot of things that me and you struggle with in that in our lives today. As a born-again believer, we have to understand, we talked about it in the Sunday school this morning, simply this, after you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, what comes next? The next step after being saved is baptism. And they asked the question this morning in Sunday school, is baptism salvistic? That means asking a question, do you have to be baptized to be saved? And you ask that question, you say, okay, we understand what the Bible says, by faith we are saved, not by works, lest any man shall, be, shall boast. And we understand the thief on the cross, we understand that he died before he had the opportunity to be baptized. But we also see multiple times in Scripture that by faith we're saved, not through any other things. So we understand that you don't have to be baptized to be saved. But, listen, baptism for a believer is not optional. It's not given to you like, hey, if you get time, get baptized. If you feel like it, get baptized. If you're not afraid of water, get baptized. It's not an option. It's a commandment coming from who? Jesus. And the first thing we do after we get saved is we get baptized. It's not going to save us, but we do it because we have been saved. And that's how we understand. It's not optional to allow the God to control your tongue. It's not optional if I'm going to get baptized. And if sharing our faith, okay, who do I have to share my faith with? Well, the Bible gives us a great commission to go into all the uttermost parts of the world telling them about, about Jesus Christ and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We understand sharing our faith is not a requirement for salvation. You're not going to go to heaven just because you um, allowed yourself to share your faith with other people. But it's not optional if you're going to share your faith. If you're a born-again believer, you're going to tell somebody what happened to you. It's like one beggar telling another beggar where you got the bread. So we have to understand that commandments are from the Lord and they are not optional. The Bible teaches us to love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor is not love thy neighbor who you get along with. It's love thy neighbor. It's not love thy neighbor who you like. It's love thy neighbor unconditionally. And we understand that's not optional even though you live beside of me. Right? It's not optional. You have to love your neighbor. Period. And we have to understand today in Christianity, so many of us have tried our best to say, I'll do this or I'll do that, but I ain't going to do that. You know what? We do what the Lord has told us to do. We're a slave, we're a servant of Christ, and we're going to pay attention for what he has for us. So what I want to show you today is this. Me and you need to be reminded of what's going on around us. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 19, James 1 says in verse 19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. What he's sharing with us at the beginning with our mouth is very simply that me and you are not always that way. The majority of time, me and you are slow to listen. We are quick, quick to speak and quick to anger. But God's coming in with a commandment, with a, with a principle. They're sharing with us what you're supposed to be is quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. 
So God is working on us and changing who we are. But not only that, the Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 26, If any among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is what? Useless. We have to understand that if we want to grow in our faith and mature where we're supposed to be, we're going to have to allow, get to the place in our life where we let the Lord Jesus bridle our tongue, control our speech, and we have to be able to do that. And the power of speech today is one of the greatest powers that ever existed that we know of that God has given to us. With this tongue, we can praise God. With this tongue that God has given us, we can pray out loud to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With this tongue that was given to us, we can share the good news of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With this tongue, we have so many powers. But what? With that same exact tongue, we can lie and destroy people. With that same exact tongue, we can break people's hearts and destroy the world. The ability today to speak is the ability to influence. If you have a way of speaking, communicating today, you have a way of influencing someone in your life. You have a way to make a difference in their life. And James is going to show us six pictures of things in life that we can relate to that can show us how God can tame our tongue so that we can use that which God has given us to bring glory to his holy name. So the very first thing we see in James chapter um, 3, verses 1 through 4, we're going to see two beginnings in the bit and the rudder. Let's read James chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall, have, we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are given by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So we here at the beginning, we see two um, illustrations, two understandings that we would understand what the tongue is. He gives an example of the bit. And there's some horse people in the house today, and you know how that works and putting, a, putting that bit in the horse's mouth. I've never done that. I've never rode a horse, nor what I ever rode a horse, ride a horse, because I would never do anything like that to a horse. You know what I'm saying? Um, but um, I don't, don't want to get on anything that I don't know how to turn it off. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm just not going to do that. Or, or they wanted me to get on a horse at one time, and I said, if I get on that horse, my feet will drag the ground for one, and that horse will drag the ground for two. Um, so I don't want to do that. But putting that bit in the mouth, I've seen them do it, 
and that bit that goes in their mouth has to be uncomfortable. It has to be. I've seen it, and it just, just hurts me looking at it. But what that bit does as it's placed in his mouth, the one who is controlling the direction of the, the horse pulls in whatever direction he would go, and it changes the direction of that huge animal. And that animal that is much larger than its rider goes in a direction that the rider has him go because that bit is in his mouth. And then the second illustration is the, the rudder that is on the bottom of the ship. This ginormous ship that is larger than anything that we can imagine is controlled by just a piece of steel or wood underneath the ship where it turns one direction or the other and it shows that, that dog, that um, uh, ship in which way it would go. So we understand the tongue is directional. Like a bit, like a rudder, it directs people in the way that you would want them to go. Teaching the Word of God is a huge responsibility. If someone asked me the other day, do you still get nervous when you preach? And the best answer I have for that is no, but I wish I did. Because of how important my job is as I stand behind this pulpit and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, I am held at a higher standard than anybody else. I have a stricter judgment than anyone else because I am communicating the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ behind his pulpit. I am telling people about Jesus Christ. I am um, proclaiming it, and now because of that, I stand in stricter judgment than other people. Not from you, I stand in stricter judgment from God. The judgment I get from you is just like a cherry on top of the pie. You know what I'm saying? That's just like additional, and I get to enjoy that myself. But all of us make mistakes. Every single one of us make mistakes. I make a mistake. A lot of preachers try to preach and act like you're the ones making mistakes and I don't make that mistake. I hope and pray that I don't ever give you that idea because you all know that I make mistakes. And if you think I'm perfect, man, you have a very low bar of perfection. Amen. I mean, really, you, you really do. But I in no way I try my best to live at a higher level, stricter requirements and judgments of that in my life than I, than I am required of that. But I still will make mistakes. But God will never do that mistake. Today, we all make them, but my mistakes are amplified. I know if I make a mistake today and embarrass this church, it will not be easy to get over. So what I have to do is live a life above reproach. And if I do something that, that hurts your feelings, I've had, I've had people, ladies call me and say, can you come and pick me up and take me to the hospital? My answer is no. I can't go by myself with a lady in the car. Why? Because Billy Graham taught us that when we were kids. You always try to get another person to go with you or something of this nature so that you'll be above reproach in that situation in so many different other ways. Why? Because we don't want to mess up the possibility of being able to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our job, and we understand that. But we see the tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth and a rudder on the ship, something small but powerful. It, the bit controls the direction of the horse. The rudder controls the direction of the ship. And listen to how David prayed, and I ask you to start praying this prayer as well in Psalms um, 141 and verse 3. Set a guard 
O Lord, over my mouth. Listen to what he says. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. You don't know, I don't know what to pray. Pray that. When I'm at a place where I can't keep my mouth shut, where I, I'm afraid I'm going to say something wrong, where I'm in a place where I really don't know what to say that's not the right way, Lord God, set a guard. Set a guard, O oh Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. I understand that God has given me this mouth to communicate, and I don't want to do it loosely without understanding the responsibilities. So, Lord, please guard my mouth. Set a guard at the gates of my lips so that I will not say that what I should not say. That's understanding that your mouth is a tool, is a powerful weapon that can direct people in the wrong way to go. We need um, a true understanding. And Proverbs 18 and verse 21 tells us this. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What do you mean by that? Billy Graham that I just mentioned beforehand he got up and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Mordecai Ham in, Louis, in, in, in Scottsville, Kentucky, an evangelist, led him to the Lord, and he got saved as a young boy right here in, from someone in, in Kentucky. He started preaching the gospel at a young age, and millions and millions of people are in heaven today because they heard Billy Graham preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, Billy Graham didn't save them. Billy Graham was a mouthpiece who proclaimed Christ to those people. And that has brought life to them. But I can mention to you some people. Hitler. Six million Jews died because of what he said. Mussolini. Ceausescu. Killed millions and millions, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people because of what he said. Yes, what you speak can bring death or it can be, bring life. It directs people in the way you would have them to go. But when Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, he will be the Lord over your mouth as well. You direct people with your mouth. Listen, how do you direct people with your mouth? What you say or what you don't say guides people. What do you mean by that? My son and daughter-in-law just graduated from... Um, medical school and as they graduated they there was 200 and some of them up on the stage there at Kentucky and one chair w remained empty um, the one chair that was empty a few years ago um, one of their classmates was sightseeing in um, the, the natural bridge there and um, just right down the road from us here and she was not um, did not know where she was at and she backed over and fell over a cliff and perished and she, she lost her life there. Um, and they left that chair and they graduated and give the, gave the diploma to her mom and dad. But let me think about this for a second. If you were there and you saw someone close to the edge, you would say something. You would scream out, watch out! You're too close, get back! This morning there was a, a, a rambunctious little boy in the balcony of the church at the 8.30 service. And he wasn't paying attention to what I said. And his mom kept on saying, you're too close to the edge of the balcony. And I got to this point in the sermon and I said, step back, watch out, you're going to fall. He scared, that jumped up and sat in the pew. 
Lord, he's talking to me. See, the sermon's good for all ages. You would say something if someone is too close to the edge. But what kind of person would you be if you remained silent and didn't say a word? I have people today telling me, telling me this. You know what? I'm not going to interfere in someone's spiritual life. I'm going to remain silent and let them make a choice of their own. When you raised your kids, you did not let them make any choices of their own. You didn't let them choose how they were going to do things, when they were going to do things, where they were going to do things. You didn't ask your kids if they wanted to eat something or drink something. You did not let them decide on their way they're going to go to the bathroom. You didn't let them decide on, on the, if they were going to go to school and be educated or nothing of that nature. Why in the world would you remain silent on the most important issue in the history of mankind? The souls of man. Don't remain silent. Preach Christ and him crucified. And share the love of God with one another. And that's what happens to me. You can stop someone from going over the cliff. Or you can remain silent and let them figure it out on their own. Don't let them figure it out on their own. You didn't figure it out on your own. There's not a one person in this here this morning that's born again who figured it out on their own. Someone loved you enough to share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. We need to control that tongue and we need to direct people to Jesus Christ. The second thing is this. He, he goes from bit and rudder and he moves over the fire and animals. Fire and and animals. In verses 5 through 8 of James chapter 3 it says says this Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the, for, the course of nature and it's set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of the reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has tamed, been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil full of deadly, deadly poison. We see that the tongue is a bit and rudder and it directs. But now we see the tongue is like fire and an animal and it destroys. A fire starts with just a small spark but it can burn down a whole entire town. In 1871, we, we read and see pictures of Chicago being completely destroyed by just one spark of a flame. Our words can start destructive fires. Fires burn. Fires hurt. Our words burn. Our words hurt. I know that you were taught as a kid, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. You understand that was probably the greatest lie that was ever told us when we were kids because you discovered that sticks and stones hurt, but words hurt worse. And we understand how difficult it is what we go through, and we need to be careful on how we speak. An animal is, is destructive. Anyone in this room today who has an animal will be able to say amen to that. I love my cat. He's a good little cat, and he loves me, and I appreciate the, the camaraderie we have between each other. Um, people say, oh, you're a cat person. No, I am a person who belongs to a cat. Um, 
that's it. But my cat destroys my couch. And my couch is what holds me up and lets me watch TV. It's an important place in my life, amen? And, and he sits there and he thinks it's a scratching board or whatever you call those things. And you try to explain that cat, all those things. And not one time has he gone down and said, you know what, I'm sorry for tearing this couch up. Let me go buy you another one. Not one time has he decided that. The only thing he can do is destroy. And, and that's what happens. Um, a squirrel um, today, um, I, I, if you're going to get ready to go to Florida on vacation, I just want you to encourage you to go up to a little squirrel in the park and just grab hold of that squirrel and go, coochie, 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 go, and just see what happens. Uh, the first time I went to Florida, moved as a middle schooler, I saw a pretty little squirrel up on the side of the pine tree. I walked up to touch it. It jumped off there and got on my face and just about tore me to pieces. I mean, it's the most hateful, destructive animal you've ever seen in your life. They're mean. They, they can destroy, and that's what happens. It'll act all sweet, but it'll tear you up. Fires and animals can be tamed. In the winter, we enjoy heat because we've learned how to tame fire. You have a pet. And, and, and ride a horse or, or do all these things because we've learned how to tame animals. But listen, no man, no man can tame the tongue because it's unruly and wicked. But I want you to share with me and remember how you exegete scripture. It says no man can tame a tongue, but the Lord can. And you have a commandment and I have a commandment to allow the Lord to tame our tongue to work on us every single day and allow that tongue um, not to be destructive, but constructive. Both fire and animals can be great workers instead of great destroyers. Your tongue don't have to be an item of destruction, but it can be an item of construction. Your tongue, tongue is either set on fire by hell or it is set on fire by heaven. So the question is this, did Satan light your fire or did God light your fire? And how you speak is going to prove of that nature. If your, spoke, speak of is, your speech is destructive, then your tongue is set on fire by hell. If your tongue is edification and bringing glory to God, your tongue has been set on fire by God Almighty, by heaven. And that's what we're called today to do, is have a tongue set on fire by heaven itself. The third thing we want to read to you in verses 9 and 12, he gives us two more examples, and I'm going to hurry, I promise, that's talking about the fountain and a tree. Bible says in verses 9, 10, 11, and 12, um, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings, my brethren. These things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. The third thing we're going to show you today is this, that there's a fountain, a spring of water, and then there's a tree. And those things are delightful. The fountain provides the cool water, and today we need water to live. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 4 says the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. Water is life-giving. Words can give life. The fountain, the spring, 
is a delight. What men you need to be as the church today, as born-again believers, is that we need to be a delight to people in a tough place. You need to be a fresh drink of water to a thirsty person. You need to be exactly what they need at the time that they need it. And our tongue is able to allow us to be a delight because what we're doing is giving life. And the words that we give, give life. And that's what we have the possibility to use the tongue that the Lord has given us to bring forth the light. And a second example he gives us is a tree. Our words are to be delightful, just like a tree planted by the waters. A tree provides beauty. Nothing more beautiful than a, an old oak leaning over a, a, a creek or a river bank. It provides shade on a hot day. When we played football, two days in, in Florida, it was 176 degrees outside. And we had one tra shade tree. And when you passed out, they drug you over underneath that shade tree and let you get yourself a little bit better. But it provided shade. A tree provides stability because the roots go in the ground and keep it, the ground from erosion. It's stable. And a fruit that comes from a tree tastes so, so delightful. You know what we need to do? Our speech needs to provide beauty, shade from the hot sun. Our tongue needs to show stability, roots deep into our Christian faith. And our tongue needs to have fruit that blesses. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 2 um, shares with us this. Maybe not. There we go. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for the lack of the wisdom. We need to understand that people are needing delightful words of God, precious words from God. We need to speak words that delight. Our words need to be consistent like a fountain and a tree. You did not wake up this morning and stick your head out the window and wonder if your tree was still planted in your front yard. It's always been there. Unless a big wind comes or, or a Husqvarna chainsaw, it's probably going to be there for a while. You know it's there. And if you have an apple tree, you're never going to go to apple tree and find a, find a grapefruit hanging from it. If you go to, a, to your fig tree, you're never going to go find grapes hanging from it. It's always not going to be a gamble. It's always going to have the same thing. It's consistent. If you drink out of the spring, it's not going to be salt water one day and, and bitter water the next day and sweet water the next day. No, it's going to be the same water every single day coming out of the same well. It's not going to change. It's consistency. What America needs, what Louisa, Kentucky, what Fort Gay, West Virginia needs from the First Baptist Church of Louisa, Kentucky is us to be consistent like our Heavenly Father. The same we were yesterday, today, and forever. Always there, ready, prepared, and able to do whatever someone needs to help them point them to Jesus Christ. They need stability and they need not a gamble. They don't need to come to us one day and hear sweet words and the next day you hear curse words. They don't need to hear us with the same mouth praising God and the next moment praising 
praising this world, the devil. They don't need us praising God and cursing them the next. What they need is consistency. Someone loving God with the words and understanding the, the responsibility that the person has with the tongue of using that which God has given them for the glory of God. The Lord has not changed. He is the same. And we need to understand that. This, this morning, this Wednesday, in my sermon, I told him we were preaching on the world's smallest troublemaker. And the majority of them in that room thought I was talking about Sue Diamond. It wasn't her. The world's smallest troublemaker is our tongue. But let me share something with you, please, from the bottom of my heart. It's not your tongue that's the problem. Because if it was, you could cut it out. If you're having a problem of looking in the wrong direction, it's not your eyes. If it was, you could pluck them out. If your feet have a problem of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, it's not your feet's problem, or you could cut them off. Your problem and my problem is a heart problem. And that's what the Lord wants to work on in our lives today, is to change our heart. Our tongue should not be a troublemaker, but our tongue should be a peacemaker. God should use our communication to direct people towards Him. But there's been a time in your life that you had the opportunity to direct someone in the right way and you remain not to do it or, or remain silent. One of my favorite stories as a kid was my cousin Clint worked for us in the, in the gas station there in what used to, which is now Doc's Pizza. If you've eaten at Doc's Pizza, my mom's, that used to be my mom's grocery store. And beside of Doc's Pizza, there was Edsel's Auto Repair. That used to be my dad's garage and gas station. So as a kid growing up, I, 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 that's why I'm chubby, because I ate Little Debbie's and ate a pot of meat out of the, out of the grocery store all the time. Um, but um, my cousin worked for my dad, and and he, he was he was ornery, still is ornery, and he's listening right now, so I can say that. Um, but he worked at the gas station pumping people's gas, and this one little arrogant guy pulled up from out of town, and he's like, where in the world am I? This, who, this little old place, it ain't worth nothing. He said, where in the world am I? I can't even find it, and I can't remember where he was. He's trying to get to Nashville or, or someplace like that. And my cousin looked at him and said, son, you're lost. And the guy said, what in the world are you talking about? He said, you're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. <laughs> and that guy looked at his wife and started cussing and screaming, yelling, and got in the car. And he said, Clint said he could hear him from 50, 100 feet going down the road cussing his wife because she can't read a map. And here they're in Myrtle Beach. I said, I'd have given anything to be in that car when that guy figured out where he was at. <laughs> but... What Clint was doing was wrong because he was using his tongue to give someone the wrong what? Directions. But, listen guys, we need to repent of our sins because we have used that which God has given us and we've given people wrong directions. Or we've not given them directions whatsoever. Let's point people to Jesus Christ. And if we have a tongue that God has given us, that's our direction that we have given but our communication not only should be directing people to Christ, it should not be destroying people, it should be building people up. If you ain't got nothing good to say, 
don't say it. We need to use our mouth for the glory of the Lord. Our communication should turn someone's smile upside down. Or frown upside down. It does the opposite more often. People should love to see me and you coming. Not because we're going to lie to them, but because we're going to love them and tell them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our tongue is powerful. It's small, but it's very powerful. And what we need to do today is this. We need to give our heart to Jesus Christ. And he will use all that we have to be a blessing to other people. There's people in your life today that are dangerously close to the cliff. And God's given you that tongue to cry out so that they won't get any closer to that cliff. We need to use that which God has given us to direct people, not to destroy people, but to edify people. We need to give that, use that tongue to bring delight into this world, not devastation. And the only way that we can do that is by this. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to love with everything we got. And God has given us so much. And we understand that what God has given us, it's not our decision to decide what to do with it. But he has given us commandments in how we should live. People say, well, I get to decide what I want to do, how I want to do, when I want to do, and where I want to go. All these things, that's all up to me. Unfortunately, you've not read God's holy word. Because God has created me and you with a purpose. He has given us a job to do, a place to be. And he shows us what that is. And me and you can't wake up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or I'm going to do whatever I want to do. No, God already has a plan for you. And you say, well, that's not fun. You know what? It's exactly what we're created to do. And what when you learn and when I learn to understand all that I have comes from the Lord. When I understand that, then all that I do is for the Lord. It is for His goodness. It's for all that He has done for me. Today, men, you have the opportunity to be a blessing. Not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus Christ is. It's not optional that you love your neighbor. It's not optional if, if you follow the commandments of the Lord. That's who we are. We're people who belong to the Lord. And what we get to do today is bring honor and glory to the one who has created us with a purpose. This morning, if you've never come to a place in your life that you've believed upon Jesus Christ as your Lord, God has given me the possibility to communicate with you the gospel. That Jesus Christ, he died, that he was buried, and that he was rose again. He rose again the third day according to the scripture. And by believing on the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you will not perish, 
but have everlasting life. That's called the gospel, the good news. And because we have that ability to communicate that message, people can know who Jesus Christ is and they can put their trust in him. They can hear the word and believe in who Jesus Christ is. So my prayer is today is that you heard who the Lord is and you believed in the Lord and that what you would do is put your trust in him today. Well, God, we love you.